Hello and welcome to UX Research Geeks. I'm your host, Tina Lichkova, a researcher and a strategist, and this podcast is brought to you by UX Tweak, an all-in-one UX research tool. This is the sixth episode of UX Research Geeks. The structure of today's episode is a bit unusual as we tried to cover as much as we could about the topic of UX research in Africa. We recorded over an hour and a half of the footage that will be released in two parts. You are now listening to the first part where we interviewed Camille, a Senegal-based entrepreneur, UX researcher and a co-founder of UX Design, a Pan-African research and design agency. We spoke to her mainly about her business journey and talent-winning strategies. Hello, Camille. Hi, Tina. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Goody good. Uh, let's go straight into it because you have a really interesting uh, life and I would say business story. And for the listeners to have a context, I would be really interesting to learn uh, how you became who you are professionally and how you became an entrepreneur in Senegal. Uh, thanks, Tina. That's uh, <laughs> very generous of you to, to say that. Um, so I, I think I do have a, an interesting story, even though um, let's say it's not a direct path. <laughs> uh, that's <laughs> the best way to say it. Um, I, I'm, it's important to note that I'm from a bicultural family. I'm French by my father and American by my mother. And I grew up in France. But my mother had always said, you know, like, oh, like you'll go to you'll go to um, a university in the States and you can do whatever you want over there. So you don't need to specialize early. And uh, so I took that, you know, to heart because I was interested in many, many things and it was hard to decide what I liked. And after graduating in France for high school, I actually went to the United States to study art history because I loved art and I loved history. Uh, and I thought maybe, you know, I was, um, I wanted to be in the art sector, but not an artist. So I thought maybe museums would be interesting. And I went to a school that, what, that had a museum and I realized I hated it. I hated working <laughs> at the museum. It was really bad. I just like talking about art and not doing anything about it. And the, the museum's environment is really interesting, but it just didn't fit for me. And at the age of like 19, I had this huge sort of like question, like, what am I going to do with my life? You know, like the, the sort of plan I had of working in a museum and have, and art was, was, was falling apart. So uh, I had to do a lot of research and I discovered the um, uh, industrial designer uh, path, basically. Mm-hmm. And I thought that's really interesting. Like that, there's art, there's engineering, it's useful. Uh, I had sort of gotten tired of of um, looking at the past, and I had realized through my studies at the museum that what I wanted to do was contribute to build the future. So I thought that's really interesting, and I found a school back in France. I went back. I, had, I quit college basically in my sophomore year, so that was a tough decision to make, you know. Um, mm-hmm. And then I I uh, came back to France, and you know it took some time to for the beginning of the year to start again, and I studied industrial design. Uh, where I learned about, you know, design thinking and the design process. And it was, again, you know, a bit of a conflicting point in my life because I also realized at some point that 
building things wasn't for me either that I felt that it was a bit you know gadget like like oh let's reinvent the new chair for the thousandth time you know like uh, so industrial design was also a bit of a, like I really like it but at the same time you know it's um uh that I had conflicting emotions about it what was great about the school I went to, and one of the reasons I chose at the design school is that it was actually a school where half of your, it's a five-year school, I entered in second year, but out of the five years, you spent two and a half years in internships and study abroad semesters. Mm-hmm. It was really a school that was focused on practicing, and I think for design school, that makes a lot of sense. And uh, for the year, for the semester abroad, they actually had partnerships with African organizations. And I had traveled quite extensively. You know, I'm from a family that travels a lot, but I had never been to Africa and that was something I wanted to do. So uh, it's a bit of a long story. You got to (laughs) follow. But basically one of the things, one of the big decisions when I went towards industrial design, one of the big choices I made at the time was that I had another conflicting passion that was humanitarian work, basically, like social impact. Those were two Mm -hmm. sides of me that were really battling on what I should get into professionally. And I had chosen design because I felt like there were some hard skills to learn. And at that point in my life, I was tired of theory. And I wanted to, you know, learn how to use a tool, how to make something. And I felt like humanitarian work was going to be a lot of, you know, theory again. And I was tired of writing essays and things. Um, But it was still really a core part of me. And one of the reasons I wanted to uh, do an internship in Africa was I thought, like, maybe there's some cool design work to do there that can have some social impact. And I wound up uh, interning at an NGO in Senegal where uh, I was very, very disappointed, basically. Uh, the, the, the department I worked at is now closed because there were some corruption issues. Um, I could like people were just, you know, spending their days idling away a little. I'm not saying all NGOs, you know, happen like that, but it turns out that the one that where I was at, I saw all the sort of like power dynamics and how it's, it was a little bit more in the interest of the people working there than of the people they were supposed to serve. Um, mm-hmm. And it wasn't all bad, of course, but it was a huge like realization moment for me. And I realized that I no longer believe that development, long-term development, right, could happen through humanitarian work. Um, and it, it was a good moment in my life, I think, to have that realization because the sem- at the end of my semester abroad, I was actually starting another double diploma that my design school offered. It was a really it was a really great school. It is a great school. They offered a double diploma with a management school, and that's what I was entering when I was coming back from Africa. And so there, I learned a lot about entrepreneurship and basically how to run a business. And I'm from a family background where my parents are both in education. Like we're not a business family. Mm -hmm. Well, not my parents' level. And uh, I realized that if I wanted to truly impact, I needed to understand how companies, how businesses work, because I now felt that development went through entrepreneurship or at least went through, you know, the economy and, and building businesses that would, uh, be uh, long-term sustainable businesses. 
So if, it was a really good succession of things that after my, my semester in Senegal, I now went to business school <laughs> uh, because I had just come to the realization, you know, that humanitarian, <laughs> the humanitarian route, you know, wasn't for me. Um, and long story short, uh, I had loved my experience in Senegal so much that at the um, uh, management school that I was at, I actually got in touch with, there was a, Sen a Senegalese student group there and I got in touch with them and they were actually organizing this amazing event. Uh, it was a yearly event that was go that was happening in different cities. And this year was in the city where I was studying. And it's amazing because a lot of the African diaspora, um, when they study abroad, they study serious, you know, uh, things so like management, law, medicine, maybe marketing. Uh, but n very few African diaspora, you know, students study design or art, or graphic mm -hmm. design or anything like that. So I had a skill set from being in a, at a design school that none of the African students of the organization had. And so they were very interested in working with me for their event because there was all this like graphic design things to do and communication support. Mm -hmm. So as a, like, it was, it was funny, but as a like French Franco, you like Franco American person, I was in the Senegalese student group because I was really passionate about what they were doing it turns out that the topic of that year's event was, you know, entrepreneurship in Senegal. So it was just like, you know, some of those <laughs> moments where like you're in the right place yeah. at the right time. And, um, and I made an amazing group of friends there that uh, had decided that just how having that event wasn't enough, that they wanted to create something long-term for Senegal that would help young entrepreneurs. And that was right down my alley. That, that was exactly what I was looking for. And so we, created a, a startup, a startup to help other startups <laughs> start. Uh, you, know, you can, it was still quite utopian. Um, we made all the mistakes. There were seven co-founders. We didn't write a, a co-founder pack. Like it was, we were really just like baby entrepreneurs, but we, we had the passion and, um, and basically after graduating and that took a bit of time because I first graduated the management school and then I had to finish graduating at the design school. But after graduating and getting my double diploma, I came straight to Senegal to support that mm -hmm. startup that we had launched. And um, through helping startups in Senegal, basically on mostly what was sort of business model design and basically the innovation we were bringing was that at the time, this was like seven years ago, at the time in Senegal, entrepreneurship was write your business plan and try to get finance, you know, for, try to get someone to finance your project. And we were all about mm -hmm. lean entrepreneurship and, you know, prototype your, your uh, product and go out and test and ask people. So we were bringing in that sort of more, you know, pull yourself out by your, by your bootstraps mentality rather than like sitting and waiting for someone to finance your project. And that was really innovative at the time in Senegal. A few other places were, were talking about that, but not a lot. And I wound up being more of a trainer on business model canvases than a designer. And that started, mm -hmm. that started to get to me because I really missed design and like service design. And um, so at that point, I had been in Senegal for two years as an entrepreneur and we were helping all these startups. And I was 
you know, exchanging with lots of startups and a lot of the people that were launching companies were um, developers because they had that skill set, you know, of building an app or building a website or building a service. And they were terrible at design. <laughs> you know, they were like, I mean, you, imagine if the product is only built by developers, right? And that was the case. And, and a lot of emphasis was made on development at that time in Senegal. So it was like 2015, 16. There were lots of developer schools that were sprouting out from everywhere. And, uh, and as a designer, it was, it was just like, we'd see all these products and like, they would spend months working on them without showing it to anyone, you know, <laughs> all the mistakes. Mm-hmm. Um, and at some point it was like, I, like, I'm, I'm, I'm part of this community. I, I, I want to do something, you know? And so I started organizing sessions on UX and UI design, you know, weekend and evening sessions just to like teach people, train people. And I, and there were very few design, like no designers, almost the only other UX UI designers I knew were other, um, foreigners, but we got together Mm -hmm. and, um, and there was one, uh, local designer who had learned like many people here, the only local designers were self-taught because there are no schools. Uh, And so Mm. we managed to make this little group of like about four or five people with experience in design and who knew what design was. Uh, I think there were like three foreigners and one um, African. And we, uh, we started, you know, getting these sessions and we named ourselves. We had the name, Ukes and everything. But it started like that. And what actually happened, which was quite funny, is that um, now that that community of designers was, you know, we were very highly embedded in the uh, entrepreneurship community so we had access to the venues and all the places mm-hmm. so we were already well known as individuals and so when we started saying we were doing design basically what happened was that um another one of my current co-founders like who was a business developer joined us because he's he saw the opportunity in what we were doing and when he came he brought his um like contacts with him he had a ton of contacts and suddenly we were getting client work, uh, like a big telco operator in Senegal asked us to do workshops for them because there there was a need for designers. Not a lot of people had become aware that they needed it, but some knew and find local resources. And so we were the first people to offer that service, you know, in, in Senegal. And it turned out like <clears throat> we started getting steady clients. So what started as a sort of, you know, passion project, there actually was demand for, and we, we started hiring, you know, to, to structure our team. And it was just this amazing story of um, um, people saw the value in that and started asking us, you know, to, to work for them. It was tough for me because I was already the founder of another startup and, um, mm-hmm. I had to make a choice at one point. I couldn't be, you know, full-time at both. And this took about a year where I was progressively more and more on the design uh, uh, agency than, than my first startup. But to be honest, like as a designer by trade and by passion, I wasn't doing design at my first startup anymore. Um, so it was just, it made so much sense for me to, to go towards design again. I, was, I could feel that it was good for me. So um, I left the first startup, 
still in really great terms with all of my co-founders there. That company still exists and I'm super proud of them. Uh, but I joined, you know, Ukes. And uh, now, you know, about four or five years down the line, there's about 40 of us working wow. across all of Africa. Yeah, it's, it's become, you know, this thing. Uh, but it started three co-founders uh, in Senegal, and now it's 40 people, you know, across uh, West Africa. So that's, that's a bit of the story. Um, and what's really nice, um, and I'll talk about the agency a little bit more later, but what's really nice is that now as a recognized agency in West Africa, we're getting... I'm getting that humanitarian impact that I wanted at the beginning because we have big NGOs, big multilateral donors that are coming towards us and that sector has matured also and they know that they need to apply design thinking. And they, such as everyone on Af in the African continent, there's a lack of designers and resources who know that. So they're coming towards us to, so that we can help them you know, build their programs, improve their products, their processes. And I'm not going to cite any names, but I'm honored, you know, to be helping those NGOs now better do their job <laughs> by applying design thinking. And I feel that through, you know, this agency that we built and we're very proud. It's a local agency. It's a Senegalese company. You know, we're, we're hiring locally. It's local contracts. Um, and so we're pulling that. Uh, that skill set on the continent and we're giving um, opportunities for people to practice and also helping not just NGOs, right? Because NGOs and, and um, humanitarians are part, are some of our clients, but not only. But for me as an individual, it's great to be able to have that impact. Mm -hmm. And let me put it in a timeline and uh I'm trying to figure out when UX research came to it. It's like seven years ago, you landed uh, coming back to Senegal, went to the startup, then four or five yeah. years ago, uh, you started with the agency or being more focused on the agency, started to mm -hmm. hire people, 40 people in five years. Wow, that yeah, yeah, blows my mind. But when did UX research, of course, this question had to come, uh, come into it, into the play? That's a really good question because it's it was... It was not an obvious sell at first. Mm -hmm. The research was not obvious. We actually started, um, people came to us, they wanted UI design, UX UI design. Mm -hmm. And so we had to educate our clients on the value of the research part, you know, by saying like, we can, we can build nice things, but we don't know what to put inside them if you don't do research. So we had to educate. And there was actually a very natural configuration. So um, I'm not the sole co-founder, right? I have two other co-founders. One is, you know, that business developer I told you about who's actually become an amazing designer now. And the other designer uh, that we co-founded with, he's actually naturally, you know, UX UI designer. He's one of those pixel pusher, pusher people. And mm -hmm. I am not. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I am, uh, you know, just super curious, uh, super passionate about understanding context and people. And I think from for a very long time, and it's maybe one of the reasons why industrial design wasn't for me either. You know, I was always more interested in um, 
the 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 holistic view you know mm-hmm. of the product how does the product fit or the service fit in a in a global setting like how does it fit for people and i think that's because naturally i'm more of a research person and so we naturally divided our roles in such a way where we had a business developer, a UX UI expert and a UX research expert. And that was me. Mm-hmm. And so I, uh, but at first I, the, the first few months I, I also did, you know, interfaces and things. It was not great. Mm-hmm. Uh, but as soon as we had the opportunity to do research, I sort of took the lead on that and being the only design, like, designer that had done formal design training between my three co-founders. I was also the one that had the most, you know, method and understanding of the processes and of, um, you know, different uh, interview techniques. So it was also, it was also, it also made sense that I would do that, but as an individual, it fit my personality much more. And I think that's something that a lot of UX researchers will say, you know, I think it's something that you, you, you come to because it, it feels right for you, you know, to, to talk to people, to understand, to dig, to question, to have ideas. Um, so I do consider myself as a UX lead in general because I follow the whole process. I do a lot of workshops. I don't do only the research aspect, but that is something that I'm very, very passionate about. And it turned out to be one of the most valuable services that our company, you know, provides um, because mm-hmm. UX UI has actually grown quite a lot on the continent. Uh, you find a lot of UI designers now, but people who have the um, knowledge to, to do UX research, to structure research, to structure questions, you know, to dig, uh, that's something that takes, you know, critical thinking, creativity and time. And it, it's something where you really need to to build on your experience to do that. So um, I would say that in a sense, me having spent a few years as an entrepreneur in Africa before gave me that context to be able to ask the right questions that our, that our clients wanted us to ask because they were trying to build products that worked, right? And... Mm-hmm my experience as an entrepreneur in this context for multiple years before that helped me, you know, oh, well, you know, we should ask about this. We should ask about that because there's going to be this problem that they're going to meet. And so I think it was a combination of natural inclination, my past experience, you know, and the the setup with my Mm co-founders. And today we more than 80%, you know, of our revenue is on research. Wow. Okay. 80%. I'd say research and related like creativity and workshop activities, but it's not like the, the UI part and the UX part is really just a sort of final deliverable of the process. And that's something we're really proud of is that even though at first it was really hard to sell research, um, now like we, 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 we've really been able to explain that what we're selling is a process and not just like, oh, nice looking interfaces. And mm-hmm. that, that has been a real, you know, I think success for us. And um, we don't have any projects anymore, but I don't think we'll even accept, you know, to just do interfaces for uh-huh. if, there's no, if there's no, like at least some usability tests or some research previous to that. But we mm-hmm. couldn't impose that before. Can you remind yourself of, the first research project you had? 
Reduce. Yeah, we actually it wasn't a client because no, you know, like you can't sell <laughs> you can sell that. So we actually no, it's really interesting. The way that we started um, showcasing that is by doing internal what we call internal studies. So basically, studies that we you know we provide all the resources for, even if there isn't mm -hmm. a client. And our first ever study was on um, street vendors in Senegal. Ah, okay. Yeah, and uh, you know, like what, what, what do they do? What do they? What are they interested in? What are uh, street vendors in Senegal and uh, digital use? So, like, basically, mm -hmm. what do they use phones? If yes, like, what phones do they use? What do they do with their phones? Because we had this grand sort of like idea of um, of uh, maybe you know providing a, a service for them through their phones, because they're they're people who are you know living day to day they're they're often students or uh migrants and they're trying to make a living off of a really really tough trade and so we wanted to see you know how maybe there could be a service or an offering for them that could help them and uh it's an interesting story because one of our we so we have an agency right we do client work for uh, as I mentioned, you know, NGOs, but also a lot of uh, big uh, private sector companies and local startups. That's basically our three types of, of clients. Um, but we also have a lab, what we call a lab, which is where we experiment with our own products and ideas. Mm -hmm. uh, and we have an academy that I can talk about later. Well, it's a grand word. It's still uh, quite humble, but basically we do trainings. Um, we do a lot of trainings for clients now, but we also do our own trainings that are open, you know, to anyone who sort of wants to come. And um, and one of the first lab products was a product destined to street vendors, <laughs> based off of that study that we did. Um, and so that product failed, <laughs> uh, I want to say, quite miserably. So uh, the, the academy, we, we basically, as you understand, like from the start, actually you started as training, you know, we wanted to build mm -hmm. a community of designers because uh, we felt the, the, the need for one and the lack of one. And that has held true, you know, throughout. Um, and the demand is more and more pressing, but mm -hmm. there's there. So there is one school in Benin, but they're so recent, there aren't any graduates there. And we don't think one school is enough for all of Africa. Uh, so uh, at our small, you know, scale with what we can do, we're trying to train. And, uh, and we do so, you know, we've tested different formats. We try to make it accessible because that's also one challenge. And unfortunately, one reality in, on the continent is that uh, the best schools are private. And so they're expensive. Mm -hmm. We're trying to find business models that are inclusive because designers should come from all walks of life. Uh, but so we've uh, prototyped lots of different formats, you know, six month full time formats, uh, three to four month uh, remote uh, formats. We are um, and, and um, yeah, the, the um, it's so important for us that at this point last year I was actually full time on the academy to mm -hmm. uh, watch it more uh, seriously, and now we have actually a team. We've hired uh, a director for that department, 
and she has a team of people that are hiring currently. So there's actually a bunch of programs that are that we're working on. Currently, it's mm-hmm. not very visible because a lot of our work is actually for clients who are asking us to train, you know, their team or to run programs for them. But um, our, uh, let's say, um, open trainings, you know, that will be for anyone are going to start again in the, in the next few months. Uh, we are focusing on a uh, design leader program so that... Mm-hmm. Um, we realize it's hard for us to really do quantity in training because currently the academy is sustained by the agency. So you have mm-hmm. to remember that all of these, you know, we're self-funded on everything. So uh, basically the agency is the provider, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. for all of these departments. And it's an investment, you know, that we're making. It's also ideological uh we're very happy to do so but we do need to find you know a, a, an economic balance to things but um mm. so we've decided to focus on training design leaders and so maybe less students but we want it to be the best program you know um in africa for design leaders who are able to uh manage the whole process of design you know um Maybe they won't be the best UI designers, but they'll understand the process. They'll be excellent UX researchers and um, UX design you know, managers. So that's that's our ambition with the academy. At this to this day, we've run I think about a uh, you know about a dozen sessions. We have two hundred alumni. So wow, there yeah. are things you know that have happened. Um, and we want to leverage on that and do even more. So that's, uh, yeah, that's about the story. So there's the agency, there's the lab, the academy, and the goal is for each of these um, instances to sort of grow as their own independent um, unit. The academy might, you know, become an entity of its own. At this point, it has no legal, you know, existence outside of the agency, but that's the direction that we're looking at. Um Mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, so we're we're still entrepreneurs at heart, you know, <laughs> uh, just trying to impact on design by any means possible. You know, either if it's by executing design work for people and promoting design and design thinking, uh, if it's by building our own tools, or if it's by teaching. Uh, these are all things that we're extremely, you know, passionate about. Mm-hmm. I'm still amazed by how much you accomplished in such a short time. And it's like also the business results of it are amazing and astonishing. Yeah, it's because, it's because we're the only ones. <laughs> People don't have a choice. <laughs> They need to come to us. Yeah, but uh, it's also okay. But you are you are also growing your competitive com, com, uh, competition, and that that's good because you are trying to you are actually influencing a market. And but I'm asking also myself as a human, like I uh, you are a designer. You were running the uh, academy for the last year. You are a mom uh, for for baby girls. So I'm asking myself. How do you balance all that with you being human <laughs> and, and having time outside work? Um, yeah, good question. And not always well. <laughs> yeah. 
or let's 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 rephrase the question maybe what drives you in this yeah i love it i love i i love um i i think it all comes down you know to that moment where um i think my my truth was that to have impact you know you want sustainable things sustainable businesses mm -hmm. and i feel like every day i'm living i'm living that and without i i so we have impact through the products that we help our clients build we have impact through our own products but the best impact we're having you know is on the team that we're growing the jobs that we're offering the experiences that we're giving i'm just so proud of all the people who have come through the agency and who are growing there and becoming you know uh really good designers even though they don't know it because they lack confidence in themselves because maybe they don't have the diploma or maybe but they're doing things that very few people on the continent are doing and they're building a skill set and my personal goal you know in life is to have a positive impact around me you know and i think that i am through the company that we mm -hmm. built on multiple levels so that's that's what's driving me um it doesn't hurt that it's working out you know uh, economically because of course like i i've been in a situation where my business didn't work as well and it's tough and you can't necessarily sustain that but that's what i'm talking about when i say something sustainable you know we need to find a balance we, of course there are some clients you know it's it's to to bring money you know in uh there are some clients that are passion projects But I think having been able to build this balance with a, a, a an agency that's running, that's also a school, you know, that's also a community for our colleagues. Um, that's just it's 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 about the journey, you know. Mm -hmm. It's about that journey, and uh, I don't know where we're going to take it next. I mean, we have lots of projects, lots of um, ambition, um, but that that part you know on training on capacity building like that is key on the african continent and um i think you would like howl at the ratio of seniors to juniors that we have at our agency we have so many juniors and mid-levels but that's just you know that's how you have to run things um if you want to be long-term here because we need to build the skill sets that we need no school like no one else is going to do it for us We're now externalizing that through our own academy, but it's still our own resources. So I think like the the whole challenge, I think we could in theory like have done much more and much you know faster if we had people who were trained that we could just hire and they would do their job. But no, we have to hire people that we train, that we you know give projects to that they're able to manage. Sometimes they really need our help. Uh, sometimes it doesn't go the way we wanted it to go because, yeah, they've never done this before. But we're also giving ourselves the space to do that. And we want, I mean, hopefully Elizabeth will be able to confirm this, but we want the our agency to be a safe space, you know, for people to explore mm -hmm. uh, the skill set. Mm -hmm. And before... I but it's about, yeah, it's about not just changing our clients and their products, but also of building the company that fits the values of the co-founders mm -hmm. and before i jump into the client work where i am also interested on in how do you do good there 
I'm it's very humbling to listen to you about how you're building the community and how you support people. Uh, but I will be interesting. How do you hire people? How do you hire? Okay, we want to invest into this this person. What is the what is the alarm on? Like, oh, this is the person we could hire. Oh, that was a huge question. <laughs> I think we're we were always refining, you know, our process. At first, uh, we would basically run these recruitment days where we would build like a small research project and ask people. We would get like fifteen people together and ask them to go into teams and write a questionnaire and go out in the street. And that's how we hired hired one of our most amazing uh, senior researcher researchers today. She used to be a midwife. And she was hired through that process. And what we saw in her, you know, was empathy, curiosity, uh, critical thinking. But she had no previous knowledge of design. And and now she's amazing at that because she has that passion. Um, and I think that's what we try to look at. And um, so we have a lot of people at our company. This is their first job. Uh, we hire them straight out, you know, school. Mm-hmm. So we will... Um, I think the best lesson we learned you know, is that we, we sort of need to try them out a little bit. It's hard to hire just based on an interview or two. So we've made our interview process a little bit more structured. We give exercises out, but ultimately, you know, it's, you know, the first internship. Okay. Um, but what we also, I think we're also in a place where we're, the, the two things that are really key for us, I think is, you know, um, the desire to grow. We need people who want that because essentially that's what we're going to ask of them. Uh, a sort of long-term commitment or at least some kind of sense that they're not just waiting for the first opportunity, you know, to get hired mm-hmm. abroad and leave some, some kind of desire that they want to, you know, work with us for a long time. Uh, and then, yeah, just good, goodwill, you know, I think, um, is is key so we have lots of great stories like of people who started with a small mission and now they're leading projects and leading huge clients or things like that and that's that's the best mm-hmm. <laughs> we, we give them a lot of responsibility it's a bit of a you know we throw them in the pool and and see if they can swim type of situation it's not <laughs> maybe not the most comfortable thing for them but uh, it's also um at this point you know with 40 people we used to be behind everyone and really you know like you know safeguarding and now it's it's a little bit more there's there's a bit of a sandbox for you to play around in and then you're just going to be thrown out there and you know that we're always there um you can ask us any question you know just express if there's a problem and we'll be there but you have to come up and express that problem because we're not going to be following you to see if you need help you need to come to Mm -hmm. us that's sort of the the spirit now you have just listened to the sixth episode of ux research geeks this topic was so interesting that we decided to release another episode about ux research in africa that will be out in two weeks camille will be joined by elizabeth a ux researcher at ux design and a co-worker of hers stay tuned for more thank you for listening to ux research geeks If you liked this episode, don't forget to share it with your friends, leave a review on your favorite podcast platform, and subscribe to stay updated when a new episode comes out. This podcast was brought to you by UX Tweak, an all-in-one UX research tool.